The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. In Romans chapter 11, Paul mentions that all Israel will be saved. When will this happen? Will it be soon? Is there an order of events? We're going to talk about that on this episode of Grace in Focus, and we are so delighted that you're joining us today. This is the radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. If you want to know more about us, our website is faithalone.org. We are a free grace organization, and on that website you can find thousands of articles to read, and you can find our videos and blogs, and information about our magazine, free subscription, Grace in Focus. Find us once again at faithalone.org. Returning now to our Roman series, here are Catherine Wright and Ken Yates. And we are coming to the end of Romans chapter 11. We're going to be discussing specifically verse 26 and 27. We need to discuss a little bit about the end times. That's right. What is it that Paul is referring to here Mm -hmm. when he talks about all Israel being saved? Well, and also just a recap that we've been talking about this unit in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, 9 being Israel's past. The promises God has made to them, right? Mm -hmm. Chapter 10 is Israel's present. And then here in chapter 11, what we've been arguing is this is looking to Israel's future. And so what is the future of Israel? You know, is this, they've been on the news lately. What is going to happen to Israel? Is God done with Israel? And as we've argued, he is not done with them. He is going to fulfill his promises. And this will be made evident when the Lord returns, which now we need to kind of get the framework for end time events. That's right. Yeah. When he returns, he's going to fulfill these promises. And that's Paul's, it seems to us, very clear reference here in verse 26 mm-hmm. and 27. And in the previous verse, it talked about the fullness of the Gentiles. And we argue that this points to the rapture of the church That's right. when we might say the last Gentile has been added to the church and the church is taken out of the world. And of course, one of the tenets of dispensationalism, there's a difference between the church and Israel. So now the church is gone and the tribulation begins, and there's a seven-year tribulation. At the end of that tribulation, what we see is, and what Paul says here is, the nation of Israel is a believing nation. Mm -hmm. Any unbelieving Jew will have died during the tribulation through the various plagues that fall upon the earth. And so we have the nation of Israel that is 100% believing, And Jesus talks about this on the Olivet Discourse. He who endures to the end will be delivered, will be saved. And we see that Paul quotes from one of your favorite books, Isaiah, right? Mm -hmm. And he says that on that day, at the end of the tribulation, all Israel will be saved. Now, of course, as we have argued all throughout the book of Romans, Saved here does not mean simply going to heaven. It means delivered. It means delivered from God's wrath in the book of Romans. And that's what Paul is talking about. If we are correct in seeing this at the end of the tribulation, when the Lord returns, that Israel, well, first of all, the world is going to be under the wrath of God with all the plagues, Mm. with the seals 
and the trumpets and the bowls that are poured out where God is pouring his wrath out upon the world because of its sin, its rebellion against him. We read about this in uh, Revelations chapter 6 through 19. Mm -hmm. The man of sin brings the armies of the world and they surround Israel. And what is the believing nation of Israel going to do? What we see here is that they are going to call upon him and they're going to appeal to him to deliver them. Mm -hmm. As a result of that, since they are a believing nation and they have endured to the end, all of a discourse, right? Mm -hmm. Then not only is this a believing nation, it's an obedient nation. And we would say that they turn from their sin as obedient believers. That's what they're going to do. And they turn from their sin and they, we will just use the word repent Mm -hmm. and they call upon him for deliverance. So once again, salvation here is not merely salvation from hell. Right. It is the deliverance from wrath. That's right. The wrath that's all around them, the wrath that is coming upon them from their enemies, Mm -hmm. perhaps. They need to be delivered from that. Right. They're going to call upon the Lord to do that. And as we we argued in, in Romans 10, calling upon the Lord is deliverance from the impact of sin. Or here and now. Here and now. Which I know we're probably broken record, but I do think it's just so important to state again, wrath in the book of Romans is not looking to the great white throne where unbelievers will be judged, but it is dealing with the consequences of sin here and now, which is definitely part of what's going on in Isaiah's day, which he's about to quote from, and definitely will be a part of what we see in the tribulation period as well. Here's the consequences of sin being poured out upon the world and on nations here and now. And Israel is in the midst of this and they are surrounded and Mm -hmm. they repent. They call upon the Lord and he comes and delivers them from that. And, the word that many people have used, I've heard Bob Wilkin use it many times, the temporal wrath mm-hmm. of God, not the eternal wrath as if he's talking about casting people in the lake of fire, but the temporal wrath. He, he's going to deliver them and he's going to come out of Zion. And of course, we're told that the Lord is going to return to the Mount of Olives and deliver his people. Zechariah twelve ten talks about this repentance when the Lord returns to Israel and delivers them. And I just want to say a, a couple things about that. Uh, when you read the Synoptic Gospels, and what I mean by that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when John the Baptist is calling the nation to repent, this is what the offer is. It's mm-hmm. to that generation of Jews that if that generation of Jews would turn from their sins and look to the Lord, and then of course, that would involve them believing in him. Mm. Believing in him would give them eternal life. But as a nation, if they would repent, that generation of Jews would have received the kingdom of God. That generation would have entered into the kingdom of God. But of course, they didn't. And the offer was made to them in Acts 2 as well, when Peter tells the nation to repent. And this is on the day of Pentecost. Uh, But It is going to happen in the last days. And Mm -hmm. that's what Paul is referring to here. 
All Israel will be saved. On that day, they're going to do what the generation of Jews in John the Baptist day did not do. Mm -hmm. They are going to not only believe in Jesus, and therefore all of them will have eternal life. All of them will be believers, therefore all of them will have eternal life. But they as a nation will repent. And Christ is going to come and deliver them. He's going to bring them out of that. He's going to save them from their enemies, if you will. Mm -hmm. I have a question. When like a reformed person comes to this verse, how would they typically interpret this idea that all Israel will be saved? I'm thinking, I mean, I'm sure there's differences Mm -hmm. among them, but I'm thinking that what they're going to say is that if they're a Calvinist, all the elect of Israel, the true Israel, the ones that God has chosen are going to believe and be a part of the church. Here and now? Yes, they're going to be a part of the church, right. I'm assuming then that, they would generally take this to be, then they'll, they're going to be in the kingdom. They're going to go to heaven, to use their terminology. Because obviously they're going to see the word saved there as saved from hell. Right. Well, mm-hmm. who do they believe are those who are going to be saved? All Israel. They would say all the true Israelites, all the ones that God has chosen. The remnant. Mm-hmm. Sure. The remnant or something like that. Okay. But what we're saying and what dispensationalism teaches is that no, there's coming a day when the nation as a whole are all going to be believers. And then we also say that saved here is not saved from hell. Saved from their enemies as they call upon the Lord going back to ten. Right. To deliver them. Right. From the wrath of God. Now this second phrase here in verse twenty six is an interesting one. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Is that a reference to the fact that when he comes and delivers them and takes them into the kingdom, he's going to remove ungodliness. They will will enter into his kingdom and therefore ungodliness will be no more. Or is this a reference to their repentance that he is going to, as they turn from sin and call upon him, that this is a turning away from ungodliness. That they'll be a righteous kingdom uh, that or a, a nation. A righteous nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what John the Baptist was calling for the nation to do and mm. what Christ was calling for the nation to do and what Peter in Acts 2 was calling for the nation to do, to turn from ungodliness. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I was talking to a friend about John the Baptist recently in his ministry, I think in Luke, he says to repent. And then he tells them what that looks like to the tax collector. Stop robbing people to the soldiers. He says, don't mistreat people. He gives very specific instructions to the different groups within the nation. And it's all dealing with y'all are corrupt, evil people. And you need to stop doing that. Right. And of course, when you look at the religious leaders and all that in Jesus's day, this idea of repentance and in the final days, of the tribulation, that's what the nation's going to do. Right. It's just a little weird the way it's translated here in the New King James Version. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That he will turn ungodliness from Jacob as they repent. Because when Christ returns, he is going to bring them into his kingdom, and then there'll be no more ungodliness in the nation. The nation will enter into his kingdom as a believing, righteous nation. And I think just to say that why this is such a difficult thing to interpret is because we know at the end of the millennial kingdom that there are unbelievers who will rebel in the final rebellion at Gog and Magog. Mm -hmm. So there is still sin, but 
at the beginning of the tribulation as the nation is believing and as they enter into the millennial kingdom at the start, we would say that at that time. Right. And if these people go in in glorified bodies, then they will not have any more sin at all. Right. And that's certainly the point of verse 27, or it seems like it is. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I take this to be a reference to the new covenant of Jeremiah 31, Mm -hmm. that this believing nation that the Lord has delivered, they enter into his kingdom and sin will be no more for these. Now there's going to, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. there's going to be people in the millennial kingdom who are born in physical bodies and they will have sin, but not this nation. What a great future they have. That's the future of Israel. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans Mm. chapter 11. No, God is not done with them at all. What a glorious future they have. Well, we hope this was helpful for you and I hope it spurs you on to further study. And in the meantime, keep Keep grace grace in focus. Did you miss an episode of Grace in Focus that you really wanted to hear? Just come to faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We have all our past episodes right there on the site. In addition, we have all kinds of free resources available for you. That's faithalone.org. Our team is really great about answering questions, comments, and feedback. If you've got some, we hope to hear from you. Let me give you our email address so you can do just that. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode, we look at that verse that says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. What does this mean? Join us for that, and until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.